What is the truth about prayer? Uh, Brennan Manning is a writer and minister, and I, I had the chance to hear him while I was in college. He came to speak uh, in a chapel service and then spent the most of the week there. And he told a story that I'll never forget. Uh, he tells a story about being invited over uh, by a daughter to her father's house. Uh, as a father who had been suffering with a terminal illness. Uh, he was on his deathbed, and she just simply asked, hey, hey, would you come and visit my dad? And so Brendan Manning, he went to this person's home and uh, found his way back to this man's room and only to find the man laying in his bed and right next to the bed, an empty chair. And uh, he could see that this man wasn't doing very well, but one of the first things that he said to him was, hey, I, I see you've got an open chair. You, you must be expecting me. And he said, you know, actually, I, I really wasn't expecting any guests. I didn't know that any were coming today. And so the two of them started talking. It wasn't before long that the man asked him this question. He said, Minister, I, I want to ask you a question. He goes, I really want to ask you about, about prayer and, and what you believe about prayer. Because you see, I've had a hard time praying. It's been a difficult journey for me in my life. And there was one occasion where a pastor gave me a book and he said, hey, here, just read this book and it'll help you to pray. And I tried it for a while, but it was a little bit more complicated than I was hoping for. And I just got frustrated and I quit. And so there was a long season, there was just a lot of time in my life where I never spent any time praying until one day a guy that I worked with said to me, you know, prayer doesn't really have to be that difficult. Uh, just take a chair, just set it somewhere and just look at it and pray and tell God what you need and tell him what's on your heart and just pretend like he's sitting right there in that chair and then after a while just be quiet and just listen and see if he's got anything to say to you. And so the man said to Brendan Manning, he said, yeah, I've been doing that for a while now, and I, I just talk to an empty chair and just pretend Jesus is sitting in it. Is that okay? And Brendan Manning said, yeah, that's fine. You know what? Actually, what a great idea. Yeah, you just keep doing what works for you. It wasn't too long after that that Brendan Manning received a phone call from the daughter saying that her dad had passed away, and you know, he extended his sympathies and said, hey, I hope that your dad died peacefully. And she said, you know, I want to tell you one thing, though something interesting that we kind of found. You know, I was getting ready to leave the other day and I went into my dad's room to say goodbye to him to find that he had already passed. But here's what was interesting about the situation, that when I went into the room, apparently he had gotten out of his bed and crawled up next to his, this chair. And when we found him dead, his head was actually reclined against this particular chair. You know, I just think that's a really cool story. I think it's a really powerful picture of the simplicity of prayer. You know, I, I think we make prayer much more difficult than it needs to be. I, I think it becomes much more intimidating for us than it really is supposed to be. And, and it doesn't have to be that way. In 1 John chapter 5, verses 13 through 16, and we've kind of referred to this over the past couple of weeks, there are some great words of encouragement for us when it comes to prayer. And if you're taking note, you can write these down. The first thing is this, is that it's a reminder that you and I, we can go to God in prayer that we have that right, that we can go with confidence and we can speak to God, we can go to God in prayer. And the second thing is that when you go to God in prayer, He hears you. Then when you speak to God, His promise is that He hears you. And I want to add one more thing to this. It's not in your notes, but that when you go to God in prayer, you, you don't have to worry about having the right words. It's, about, it's not about having the right routine or the right method or anything. You can be yourself when you pray. In fact, God prefers it that way. Uh, he just wants you to be you when you pray in your conversations with God. Now, here's the thing. E even with all of this encouragement when it comes to prayer here in 1 John and other verses in the Bible, we just can't help but ask, why is it that so many struggle with prayer? 
You know, I, I've struggled in my prayer life. Maybe you struggle in your prayer life. What, what keeps us from praying? You know, as I was thinking about this, I, I think for some of us it's fear. You know, I think for some of us it's confusion. You know, we don't really know where to start or how to get going in it. We're not really sure how prayer works. I think most of us would say that we believe in the power of prayer. And we like to say that with our mouth. But does your life reflect it? You know, do your habits, do the way that you spend your time, do they, do they add up to this belief that there is power in prayer? You know, psychologists have a phrase for this. Uh, they call it incongruent values. Uh, it's this idea that you say one thing, but you live differently. And, and so here's how it plays out. You might say, you know, I'm all about health and I'm all about right eating. But if your daily diet is made up of Dunkin' Donuts and the $5 pizza from Little Caesars, you know, on the way home, I mean, that just doesn't quite add up, you know. And so the question becomes, do you really believe this? I mean, you can say it with your mouth, but do you prove it in your actions? And so we say, or you might say, yes, I believe in the power of prayer. And so the question becomes, well, then do you pray? I mean, if you believe in the power of prayer, do you pray? Or more importantly, do you really believe that prayer works? I mean, we say we believe in the power of prayer, but do you really? You know, I think many of us have decided that this empty chair, you know, that it's empty. You know, or that God has checked out or he's got a lot more things to do than sit and to listen to your prayers. And so be honest. You know, be honest with yourself. At some point along the way, have you just ever quit praying? I mean, if you've grown so frustrated with prayers that you've just quit praying, you, you've given up, and, and maybe your prayers have gone unanswered for so long, you, you've just kind of turned it in when it comes to praying. Because, you know, you prayed, you know, God, would you please help my husband, you know, quit drinking, you know, only to find that he just keeps coming home drunk. Or, or you've prayed the prayer, God, would you heal my child when things just continue to get worse and worse in your child's life? Or, or you've prayed, God, help me to, prov- to find a job so I can provide for my family, but the opportunities seem to be getting fewer and fewer. And so you can't help but wonder, is God listening? You know, will he ever answer me? Or maybe you asked this question before, can our prayers really make a difference anyways? I mean, is it possible, can we presume, can we go so far to think that if we pray, we can somehow change God's mind if his mind has already been made up? Well, if you look to the Bible, there are many instances in the Bible where prayer changed things. I mean, take the Old Testament king Hezekiah, for example. Uh, The prophet of God came to Hezekiah and said, hey, you're going to die. Your time here is done. And the Bible shows, Scripture shows that Hezekiah prayed. He said, God, I've got more to give for you. There's still more to do. I want to be able to serve you. And in that particular situation, prayer changed God's mind, and he gave Hezekiah another 15 years. Or you might remember from just a few weeks ago as we're talking through the Jonah series that God was set to destroy Nineveh, you know, to destroy this evil city, but the people repented. They, they, they sought God's forgiveness. They changed their ways. And God, you know, he, he, he changed his mind. He didn't bring about destruction, you know, on this particular city. The Bible tells us that ask and you'll receive, you know, seek and you'll find, knock and the door will be open to you. And that, that's quite a big promise. I mean, that's a big promise. That's a, that's a really loaded promise. And you can't help but read it and almost think, you know, is it really too good to be true? It's kind of like this deli that I used to love to go to when we were living in Michigan, a great place to go for lunch. It was a little expensive. And so I'd get really excited every time I had a coupon, you know, something that just provided some sort of a discount. But it would never fail that I would always show up with this coupon and there was an exception. 
You know, it was something like, well, you know, after 1230 on the second Tuesday of every month, we don't honor that coupon. You know, there was always an exception. It was so frustrating. And sometimes we hear these promises of God and it's almost like, you know, it's too good to be true. There has to be an exception. You know, are God's promises about prayer too good to be true? Because to be fair, while there are many instances in the Bible of God answering prayer, there are also instances in the Bible where God didn't answer prayer. I mean, take Moses, for example. You know, Moses was told by God, you're not going to go into the promised land. You're going to get all the way there and you're not going in. And and even as you read in Exodus, you know, Moses got all the way there and he prayed, you know, God, can I have this chance? Can I go into the promised land? And God said, no, you're not going to do that. Or when David had a newborn son and this son became very sick, David prayed and he prayed faithfully that God would heal his son. And God said, no, you know, he didn't answer these prayers and there are others. And so why is it that sometimes prayers are so dramatically answered that we can't help but notice, but yet at other times it seems like our prayers, even in desperation, sometimes go unanswered? Well, what I want to do with our time this morning is look at some reasons for unanswered prayer. I want to go directly to Scripture for just some real basics about what does the Bible have to say about unanswered prayer and why sometimes God chooses to answer or to not answer a prayer. And so in your notes, you'll find a section just entitled Troubleshooting Unanswered Prayer. And I want to briefly give you seven reasons. We're going to look at a a number of different verses and several different reasons for unanswered prayer. But before we look at these, I want to mention one thing, and this is very important that we mention as we get started because you, you need to know this. That when it comes to our prayers, sometimes God says no. When it comes to your prayers, sometimes God will say no. And for us, we choose to think that that prayer went unanswered when that's not really fair. Because God answered our prayer. He just didn't answer in the way that we would like. And so sometimes God says no. You know, it's like what Bill Hybels, you know, says in his book on prayer. You know, sometimes God says no. There are even instances where sometimes God says not yet, or sometimes God will say maybe later. Sometimes God says no, sometimes God says not yet, and sometimes maybe later. And another thing is that sometimes he says no, and it doesn't make any sense at all, but he has a reason, and he has a reason that sometimes we'll we'll never understand this side of heaven. But it is a reason that, that makes sense. And even though it might seem that God is silent and we're left confused and maybe even a little angry, let's remember that we can't see things from God's point of view. So even with all that, you know, the Bible is still clear that our prayers matter. That God invites us to pray. He wants that for us, that they can make a difference. And so let's look at at these seven reasons for unanswered prayer. And as we look at this list together, what I want to invite you to do is to consider whether one of these might explain some of the frustrations that you've seen or experienced even in your own prayers. And so the first one is this. And we talked a little bit about this last week, so we're not going to spend a lot of time on it this morning. But the first one is unconfessed sin. The Bible has some things to say about unconfessed sin. In Isaiah chapter 59, verse 2, it says, It's your sins that have cut you off from God. Because of your sins, He has turned away and will not listen anymore. 
Now, this verse is very clear that the problem is sin. You read through the whole Bible and you will find that the problem in this world today is the problem of sin. And it's not that God is incapable of answering our prayers. It's that our sin has cut us off from God. It confuses things. It makes our prayers much more difficult. You know, God has made it clear that we can come to Him with our needs, that that you can go to God at all times without ceasing. We can ask for help, and He wants this. You know, He wants to give us strength. He wants to provide for our needs. You know, He wants these to be available to us. But as you go to God in prayer, it might be important to stop and ask yourself, is there anything between me and God right now that might need to be cleared up? You know, is there something present in my life that could make this prayer a little more difficult to receive? Is there something that I'm missing in all of this? You know, it could be a prideful attitude. You know, maybe it's a, it's a bad habit that you're having a hard time shaking. It could be gossip. You know, maybe it's lust. You know, is there something that you need to confess to God? Is there sin in your life that you need to acknowledge before God and seek His forgiveness as you pray? And, and I would just reference all the way back to week one of this series as we talked about a model for prayer of making sure that in all of your prayer times there, there's a portion that is dedicated to just the apology of just saying, God, I want to lay out before you my sins. And and here's the great promise that the Bible provides for us, that when we confess before God, 1 John 1, verse 9 says, If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just and will forgive us of our sins. He will purify us from all unrighteousness. And so maybe, you know, maybe this is a reason for you. Maybe this is a reason why you've experienced some frustration in your prayers. You know, is there some unconfessed sin in your life you know, unconfessed sin can weaken our prayers. The, the second thing, the second thing that kind of leads, that sometimes leads to unanswered prayer is an unforgiving spirit. Uh, we see this in Scripture. Mark chapter 11, verses 24 to 25. Jesus said, Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it, it will be yours. And when you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive him so that your Father in heaven may forgive your sin. So Jesus says, when you pray, believe. Like, I, I want you to have faith in your prayers. And we're going to talk about that in just a moment. So when you pray, believe. You have to believe. But then Jesus gives a condition for answered prayer. He says, oh, and by the way, when you pray, make sure that you're not holding something against someone else. And, and if you're holding any resentment, if you're holding any bitterness, you know, before someone else, you, you need to go take care of that. And then come back to me and we'll talk. You know, as you study prayer, one of the most common characteristics that you'll find that Jesus taught about as it goes along with our prayer is this need, this necessity to have faith. You know, we have to have faith in our prayers. We have to believe. You know, number two would be forgiving other people. And over and over again, all throughout the Bible, Jesus taught about prayer and he taught about the need of, of having faith. And in so many instances, he also said, Ellen, you also need to forgive. And if you're coming before me and you haven't forgiven someone, well, this can become a problem, you know, in your prayers. And so, you know, nothing will kill your prayers like bitterness. Nothing will kill your prayers like resentment towards someone in your life. And whether it's a friend or a coworker or an ex or someone of another race, Jesus said, forgive. And not only if they ask for forgiveness or not dependent on whether they deserve it or not, he just said forgive. And so grudges and refusing to forgive, these can cripple your prayers. Hebrews chapter 12 verse 15 says, Look after each other so that none of you fails to receive the grace of God. 
Watch out that no poisonous root of bitterness grows up to trouble you, corrupting many. You know, so this bitterness and resentment, this refusing to forgive, Jesus, or here Paul refers to it as a poisonous root. You know, Jesus said we must forgive. And so maybe for the question for you this morning is, who is it in your life right now that you need to forgive? And maybe as you walk away from here, is there an email that needs to be sent? Maybe a letter that needs to be written? A phone call that you need to make? And you need to forgive. And so take the steps to to remove that bitterness and to remove that resentment that maybe you're holding on to in your life. The third thing that's pointed out in Scripture is an unbelieving heart. James chapter 1, verses 5 through 7 says, If any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to him. But when he asks, he must believe and not doubt, because he who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. That man should not think he will receive anything from the Lord. You know, is God able? You know, is he all-powerful to do these things? You know, these verses bring light to the fact that there is a direct link to answered prayer and our belief and our faith in God. You know, in the study, the life of Jesus in the Bible over and over again, Jesus would heal someone and then he would say this, your faith has healed you. And then that person would go off and a blind man would see or someone with leprosy would be cured. You know, there is a link between faith and answered prayer. Now, most of us would say that we want that kind of faith, right? We'd say, you know what, I want that kind of faith. I want to believe that God is all-powerful, that He can do anything. I, I want to believe that, that He is able. You know, we want to believe, we just don't know how. You know, we don't know how to have that kind of faith. Well, you know, a great example for us is found in Mark chapter 9. A man came to Jesus and, and was talking to him and asking for his son to be healed. And Jesus asked him this question. He said, hey, do you believe? I mean, you've asked, so do you believe? Do you believe that I can do that, that I can heal your son? And take note of what the man said. He said, hey, I do believe, but would you give me the faith to believe? Would you give me the faith to overcome my doubts in my life right now? I mean, what do you do when you're struggling to believe? You know, what can you do when you're struggling to have faith in God, even as you go before Him with your prayers and with your requests? Well, I think you can pray like this, man. God, would you give me the faith to believe? God, give me the faith to believe that you can do all things, you know? There's a lot of me that wants to doubt right now, and I don't like that about myself, and I don't want to be like this. I don't want to doubt you, but would you give me the faith to believe? You know, why why do doubts get the best of us? Why do doubts get the best of me? Why do I have, you know, such a hard time trusting God, even with the smallest things in my life sometimes? You know what? I just think that sometimes it's it's a good old pride issue. You know, I think we have become so used to being self-sufficient and I've got this problem in my life and I need to just buck up a little bit and I need to resolve it or I need to, you know, to get through this. Or maybe you're too smart for God and you just can't get past this place where you think, yeah, really, God could come along and sure, you bet. I guess he could answer prayer or something in a miraculous way. You know, last week we talked about Balaam. Balaam was an Old Testament prophet and he had this donkey. And if you remember from the story, uh, God spoke through the donkey. And so in this story, we've got a donkey talking to a man and a man talking back to him. And and I wonder, I just can only imagine that for some of you, even Christians, you were kind of like, you know what, that's when it gets real hard for me. 
like I can get all of these things. But when we start reading these stories in the Bible of tonky, talking donkeys and, and men surviving in the belly of the whale of a fish, you know, and if you're new to church, you know, maybe especially it's just these kinds of stories that go that make you go, I can't get there. And I can only imagine maybe some of you are really like, you know, come on, Paul. I mean, really, you believe that? You know, you believe that God would speak through a donkey? You bet I do. You know, because here's what I realize. I have to have that kind of faith in God, and I have to have that kind of faith in His Word. And and when you think about it, you know, we come in here every week, and we sing praise to God, and we worship Him, but we can't get our minds around the fact that He might choose to speak through a donkey. I mean, that's what's going to hold us up. I mean, this is the same God who created you. This is the same God that performed a miracle when He gave you your son or your daughter. This is the same God who put the world together. It's the same God who sent Jesus Christ to this world to live and to die. And he raised him again on the third day. And now forgiveness is made available to the entire world. And so we can get our minds and we can get our hearts around all of that. But why is it that we have such a hard time believing that the God who created the human heart couldn't heal one? Or the God who put the eyeball together couldn't give someone their sight back? Why do we make it so difficult, so challenging to believe? I mean, God has proven his power around us each day, and he's been doing it all the time. And if he's capable of all of this, don't you think he could heal your cancer? I mean, if he's capable of all of this, don't you think he could forgive you for that affair in your life? If if he's capable of all this, don't you think he could provide financially for your family for one more month? I mean, God answers prayer. And I realize that that might be difficult for you to grasp if you're still coping from, you know, losing your dad that you prayed for for so long or, or losing your mom to a battle with cancer where it just seemed like you desperately prayed, but yet God wasn't willing to answer that prayer. I want you to know that I know it's hard and I know that sometimes it doesn't make sense. And there are questions that Christianity will never answer for you this side of heaven. There are questions like that. But faith is believing that he is able. Faith is believing that he is capable. And I want you to have a faith where you can believe that God answers prayer. But faith is also having the confidence that God can be trusted even when he doesn't answer as we would like. You know, it's being able to say, God, I know you can provide. I know you can heal. I know you have the power. But I want you to know that no matter what happens, I trust you. Another thing on our list that can keep prayer from being answered is unacceptable motives. James chapter 4, verse 3 says, When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives, that you may spend what you get on your own pleasures. You know, I realized this morning, and this is difficult to believe, but you know that Christmas is two months away? Isn't that crazy? Two months, two months away. You know, we'll start seeing commercials probably this afternoon, all right? And uh, my little boys are already thinking about their Christmas wish list, you know, and what it is that they want to get for Christmas. Uh, do you remember doing that as a kid? And some of you are like, what do you, what do you mean? Do you remember? I still do it. I mean, you've, 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 you've t- taken it to the point you have an Excel spreadsheet now where you break it all down and there are web links that will allow someone to go directly where they need to go in order to purchase, you know, that gift for you. Well, I think sometimes God kind of becomes our big Santa Claus in the sky. I mean, we've got this long list of exactly what we need from God. And we try and act like good little boys and girls in order to warrant receiving these things. And so we're like, God, you know, I'm here at church, you know. 
or, or God, I'm serving you, or God, I'm giving this offering. I hope you see right now. And, and so you've kind of got this arrangement with God that he's going to hook you up, you know, with exactly what you need. He's going to come through. Well, do you know when, when God says no to our prayers, it really provides for us an opportunity to show that our motives are right. It gives us the opportunity to show that we are in it for the relationship, that we're like, you know, God, I love you no matter what. You know, when you pray and when you pray with the right motives, you know, that this is what's exposed. You know, sometimes our prayers are right, but our motives are what is all mixed up. You know, sometimes we'll pray, God, would you give me that promotion? Or God, I'd like to earn some more money. Or, or God, I want that house or something. And believe it or not, it's okay to pray these kinds of prayers. You can pray these prayers in your life. But here's the thing. If you're going to pray for God to give you that promotion, you better be praying that he's going to use that opportunity to give you a greater influence to honor and to serve him. Or if you're going to pray for God to give you more money, then the question really is, well, are you going to honor God with that additional income that he's going to give to you? Or if you're going to pray for God to give you that house, are you going to use that house in such a way to serve you? If you're going to ask God to heal you, is it so that you can just get some more time here on this earth? Or are you going to use that time to greater serve Him, to reach people for more for His sake? I mean, what are your motives? You know, I love the story of Elijah at Mount Carmel. And if you remember the story, the prophets of Baal were there and Elijah was there and they had this little competition going to see who could set fire. And so the prophets of Baal were crying out to the skies, crying for fire to come down from the skies and nothing happened because their gods were false. And then Elijah stepped forward and he prayed this prayer towards heaven and the fire came and the altar was ignited and all the people of Israel watched and celebrated and their hearts were turned back to him. Did Elijah do it for his benefit? You know, was it uh, for another victory for his belt? Uh, 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 37. Just, just listen. He's, here's what Elijah prayed. Answer me, O Lord. Answer me. Why? So that these people will know that you, O Lord, are God and that you are turning their hearts back again. You know, Elijah is not praying so that he gets the victory. He's praying so that God gets the victory. He's not praying for his personal glory. He's praying for God's glory. And he's, his hope is that God will be glorified and that people's hearts would be turned back to him. And so when you pray, you might ask, what, what's the motivation behind this prayer? You know, is it my advancement? Is it for what I need? Or is it for God's? You know, will this prayer advance his work or my work? The fifth thing is unresolved conflict. You know, the question is, is there any unresolved conflict in your life right now? First Peter chapter 3, verse 7 says, Husbands, in the same way be considerate as you live with your wives... And treat them with respect as the weaker partner, as heirs with you of the gracious gift of life. Now, don't miss this last phrase. So that nothing will hinder your prayers. Now, husbands, do you respect your wife? Uh, do you love her? You know, are you giving her the attention and the respect that she deserves? You know, maybe your problem right now, your conflict in your prayers is that you've got conflict at home. And it might not even be your fault or all of your fault. But God says that we are to live with peace with everyone. You know, the book of Malachi talks about a time when God wasn't answering prayers. And Malachi stepped forward and he said, hey, here's the reason. Here's why God isn't answering the prayers. You know, he outlined for three reasons. First, he says, you're, you're jipping God of your financial offerings. You're not giving to him. So why would he want to answer your prayers? The second thing is that the people were only worried about their needs and not the poor and the oppressed around them. But the third thing was the condition of their homes. Malachi knew the conditions of their homes. In Malachi chapter 2, verses 13 to 14, here's what he says. He says, another thing you do, you flood the Lord's altar with tears. 
You weep and wail because he no longer pays attention to your offerings or accepts them with pleasure from your hands. You ask why. It is because the Lord is acting as the witness between you and the wife of your youth because you have broken faith with her, though she is your partner, the wife of your marriage covenant. And so God here is saying, hey, you've got the guts to come with to me with your conflicts. Well, what about the conflict in your life right now that you're not paying attention to? And so maybe the question for you this morning is, is there any unresolved conflict in your home right now? And are you going to pay attention to that? The sixth thing is an unconvincing effort. You know, the book of James says you don't have because you don't ask. You know, when was the last time you really humbled yourself and got down on your knees and prayed for God to change the heart of your children? Or to pray, uh, you prayed that your sister's, you know, faith would be changed. I was reading a book this past week about a guy by the name of St. Benedict. And way back in the 6th century, St. Benedict uh, started this thing called the Benedictine Order. And it was a response to the trend, to the worldliness that existed not only in the world, but even in the church. And they had this motto just simply called Ora Labora. Uh, it's Latin. Ora means to work. Labora means to, or I'm sorry, Ora means to pray. Labora means to work. The whole idea was to reverse the trend of this world. You know, to work is to pray. It's not about working harder. It's not about self-sufficiency. It's not about taking care of these things for yourself. It means to pray. The best use of your energy is to pray. The seventh thing, the last thing, is an unwise request. Isaiah chapter 55, verses 8 through 9 says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. You know, when I read this, I translate it as, you know, God knows best. He knows best. You know, when I, when I think about my life, I, I think about all of the times, and I know there are more of them than I could possibly imagine, where I prayed for something to happen, and little did I know that it was un, an unwise request, and, and maybe God didn't answer it, and I got upset, I got bent out of shape about it. But God was the wise one, you know, because He really knew what I needed. You know, and so maybe it was a, a dating relationship from the past that I really wanted to work. I just felt like this was the one, but then it fizzled out. And like most of my dating relationships, she broke up with me. Um, you know, and I might have been even upset, but, but then there's Jenny. You know, my wife of 12 years now, and to think that God knew best, He knew what I really needed, and I really need her. I think about different times in my life where I've prayed for different work opportunities to work out, even one in particular, you know, back before I ever came to Genesis Church, and I, I really wanted it to work. And it didn't work out, and I was a little bit frustrated by it. It just seemed like the best-case scenario for me. And I was reminded this past week as I was thinking about this, you know, if that would have worked out for me, there would never have been Genesis. Now, that doesn't mean like, wow, you know, you'd have missed out on Paul, Genesis, or, you know, Genesis Church. No, I'm talking about my side of the story of, Wow, thank you, God, that in your patience and in your grace, you knew what was best for me. And I get to be here in Noblesville. I get to be a part of this awesome church. You know, God can be trusted, and he always knows best. He, he knows your needs, your needs for intimacy. He knows your financial needs. He, he knows your needs for significance. He knows your needs for healing. He knows the depths of the cancer right now in your body. He knows the complexity of your crumbling marriage. And through it all, God knows what we need. 
He always has our best interest in mind. You know, one condition of prayer that I believe is so important to note here before we close is that the Bible tells us that when we pray, we should pray in the name of Jesus. And John 14 reminds us of this, that in praying in the name of Jesus, it's actually positioning our heart to be reminded that we can only go to God because of what Jesus Christ has already done for us. I can go to God in my prayers because Jesus Christ is my Savior. He's the Lord of my life, and He has made that way possible and open for me. You know, some of you are here today, and you've been seeking God in your life. And you're understanding some of the needs in your life and and how they're not being met in this world. And you're trying it in all different circumstances and situations. And they're just not being met and there's this void. And I want you to know that I'm glad you're here and and we want you to be here. And no matter where you are on on a spiritual journey, we want you to come back and be a part of all this with us. But let me ask you this as we close. Do you have a relationship with Jesus Christ? Is Jesus Christ the Lord and Savior of your life? Because prayer is a privilege that is based on a relationship. I mean, it's because Jesus Christ is my Savior that I can go to God. And the first thing that you need to do in your life is to make sure that that relationship, that you have that relationship with Jesus. Now get this. When you go to God and you ask Him for this, this is the prayer that He always answers. The promise in Scripture is that when you go to God seeking for forgiveness, He never fails in forgiving. You know, every time. You know, the question for you this morning is, have you invited Jesus Christ to be the Lord of your life? Do you have that relationship in place? Will you bow your heads with me? God, I pray that you would give us the faith to pray. And the faith to pray confidently, even when we might be scarred from unanswered prayer in our life. And as we consider this list for unanswered prayer, God, I pray that you would lead us to anything that might be standing in the way of our prayers right now, anything that's causing confusion. And I also recognize, God, that there are some here today that don't know you as their Lord and Savior. And if that's you and you're here this morning with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you'd like to invite Jesus Christ to be the Lord of your life this morning... My question would be, why would you wait any longer? And if you'd like to do that today, I just want to invite you to just raise your hand up where you are right now. No one else will be able to see. Just me and you and God. You can put your hand up and pray this prayer with me. God, forgive me. I bring my sin before you today. I want Jesus Christ in my life. God, we thank you for these prayers and others. Would you give us the confidence to pray? Thank you for Jesus, and it's in his name we pray. Amen.